You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. Online, in store, on social media, and beyond. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in-line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash crimes, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash crimes to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash crimes. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Voices for Justice is a podcast that uses adult language and discusses sensitive and potentially triggering topics, including violence, abuse, and murder. This podcast may not be appropriate for younger audiences. All parties are innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Some names have been changed or omitted per their request or for safety purposes. Listener discretion is advised. My name is Sarah Turney, and this is Voices for Justice. This is the third and final installment of the Angela Green case. In part one, you learned about Angela, her life before she disappeared, and met her daughter Ellie, who, after getting some confusing statements from her dad about what happened to Angela, began recording her conversations with him. In part two, you heard some of these conversations, giving you a direct look into what Angela's husband thinks might have happened to her. And in part three, you will hear Ellie's last two phone calls with her dad as things start to get a bit heated. And most importantly, you will hear how we can help Angela's case from Ellie herself. But let's get into it. The next call happens two days later on February 24th. Again, they discuss normal things, like how they're doing, which both of them say that they're doing pretty crappy, and Jeff helping Ellie with her taxes. But Ellie is clearly irritated. Has your story about mom changed anymore? No. Because first it was, you know, she's dead, and then now she's disappeared, so... Yeah, because I got a call that she was. She had passed away, so... But you can't tell me anything about that call or who called you or where or anything. No, because um, 
I was uh, very busy at that particular point in time, so I didn't worry about it because I knew that information would come in different ways. But you you excuse yourself from work. Like, whenever I call you, you excuse yourself from work. Well, it depends on what's going on. Most of the time, there's not a... uh, But it's like mom's dead. Why would you not excuse yourself from work? You would go into the other room and you'd talk to me. And somebody doesn't just show up to your house with an urn. And I know you, and you're not going to agree to pay $1,500 in cash. Like, you will ask all the questions that you can before you hand over any amount of money. Well, it was... You can say that you are emotionally whatever in a place of, of turmoil and grief and whatever, but you would still ask all the questions that you needed to. No, not necessarily. No. Nope. Somebody's not just show up to your house. Send me a picture there. I will. Okay. Yes. But I don't believe your stories. don't know what to tell you other than I hope that uh, some information comes in the future here to well you have more information you're just not telling me I don't have any more information well if that's what you I have more information I would tell you or you have more information you want to save yourself and that's what your lawyer tells you I don't know no no that's not no. If mom's coming back in and out of the house, why would you get rid of all of her stuff? I haven't gotten rid of all of her stuff. You made me get rid of a whole bunch of stuff. We went through and, and got rid of the stuff that was not all that great. There's still a dresser drawer full of stuff, suitcases full of stuff. There's a bunch of stuff of hers here. Yeah, but there's also a bunch of stuff of hers. Why would you not all leave it in place? For when she came back and she needed it. You know she was gone. I know she was gone. I And I believe she had died. And only after, long after that did doubts start to creep in. And now it looks like it may not be that she had passed away. So. Well, I doubt you. All right. I don't know that I can change that just yet. Maybe in the future. Like, give me some sort of evidence that I shouldn't doubt you. As soon as I have something, I will let you know. And you say... You will say all of these, like, let's wait, and and I'll find something else later. But there's absolutely no action from it, ever. You're like, the death certificate is at home. The ashes are at home. None of it's at home. You know that. But you lie to me. I'm not lying to you. 
I don't have a story that's straight. You don't have a story that's straight. That's full of gaping holes. It's only because there's a precise line that you want, and I can't give you a precise line because I don't know what that is yet. Well, she didn't use any Amtrak. She hasn't used any airplane. She hasn't been out of the country. She hasn't gone anywhere. There is no record of that. And it... People disappear all the time. That's all I can say on your your analysis of things. Um, They don't go and show up here and there and other places like you're expecting or someone's expecting? No, no, mom certainly doesn't just disappear. She's obsessed with me. She's obsessed with what? She's obsessed with me. She was always obsessed with me. Not towards the end. Yes, she was. You still are not telling me everything. I don't have anything that will answer some of the questions that you're asking. Well, because it doesn't line up with your story at all. I don't think... Like, I know you're not the kind of idiot to just hand over $1,500 in cash. When I'm not quite myself because of what happened, yeah, it's possible that I'll do that. I don't believe that after knowing you for 19 years and you tell me to be skeptical. I doubt that you wouldn't be skeptical of somebody who just showed up to your house and asked you for that and told you that. That's just not how it works. You go to a funeral home. Like, you cannot just say if she really disappeared, you cannot say that she disappeared, and then you tell me four days later when I look back in the text and you said, I want to remember the good things mom did. You did not know that she was dead then, unless something else happened. You did not get a phone call that quickly. 
You can go back through the text, too. Like, in what world would you tell your daughter that her mom died when she really ran off? I got, that's the information I had. I wanted to get it to you before somebody else came with it to you. Because well, then what would you say? You gave me that Why information. Didn't you tell me, Dad? You gave me that information July 16th. After you had plenty of time. You've never been actually able to tell me what happened after I was kicked out of the house. In that four day period of time. It was much different than the weeks before, so I don't know what to tell you. Well, she's gone, so it was very different. Why did you get that particular lawyer? I got, I got a lawyer because I don't know what happens in these circumstances. So I got somebody to assist me if I need it. I don't know whether I'm going to need it. Why didn't you just get a general criminal defense lawyer? What do you mean by general? A criminal defense lawyer is a criminal defense lawyer. They specialize in certain things. I don't know what you're getting at here. Your lawyer specializes in DUIs and involuntary manslaughter. Which, I, knowing you, I feel like you have done all your research in figuring out which type of lawyer you want. I went and looked at the five best lawyers on a couple of lists, and he turned up on a couple of them. That's all I looked at and all I did. There were, I have a list of five, and he was on the top of the list, so I just started with him. Just Google search? Yep. Did you know that's what you specialized in? Not before I did a search and started my list of top five. I looked at top five here, top five there, top ten, what have you, and the ones that showed up on double lists, I made my own list and started at the top. He was on the top. Okay. Why aren't you helping me find mom? 
thinking about how to go about it, and I don't know exactly yet what to look at, what to look for, or where to go. I would think that the police are much better at looking for mom, like you say, with the fly list and the whatever list they can look at as far as people travel. So why don't you talk to them? Because there hasn't been a reason for us to talk again yet. I know that that's what they're doing, is looking for a missing person. Yeah, that's all they're they're doing at this point. They have certain ways of doing that, and I can't do it any better than they can. No. But you haven't made any effort to find mom. Because I don't know where to, don't know where to look. I don't know what to do to look for. You, you offer some suggestions here. Go file a missing persons report at the police department. Go and tell them my wife is missing. Where is she? And maybe with the way I look at the world and the way mom is... If she wants to go off and do something, I'm fine with that. So you don't care and you don't care if she's safe or anything? I do care if she's safe. It would be nice to hear from her. But you don't care where she is? I'm a thinking that where she is if she's gone is someplace where she feels better than being here even if that means that she's dead well no I wouldn't want that to be the case necessarily no well then why don't you figure out if she really is dead or not I can't go out and do that I don't know again I don't know where to look or what to look for if you're asking me to do something that I I don't think is very possible for people to do well the police can do it yes and they are doing it and you certainly have told them something different I'm going to stop the call here Because it kind of just keeps going on and on like this, and we don't learn anything new. I think we fully understand that Ellie doesn't believe the story her father is telling, and that she wishes he would do more to help find Angela. The last call happens on March 8th, 2020. Ellie again is frustrated and fights with her father about the validity of his story. But at this point, Jeff's story about admitting Angela to the hospital seems to change again here. You literally told me that she was not taken away in a public parking lot with people. Well, I thought that I was going to try and do that, and then I figured that that may not be the best thing. So I told her that I was going to 
have people come and pick her up and she was going to go to the hospital that way or she could go on her own. That is completely different from what you told me in the past. No, I told you no. And over text. (laughs) And then there was possibility after I continued looking around that I could get people to take her there and I wouldn't have to do the trick thing. So that's what I told her. I said, there's people there to take her. She could go on her own. I would take her. She'd go with a friend, whatever she wanted to do, or people would come and take her and she would be forced to go. Well, she can't be forcefully held there. She can't be forced to what? She can't be forcefully held. And also, where are we going to take her? She can be forced to go have some doctors look at her and evaluate her and determine what's up. Yes, which doctor? Which hospital? I don't know. You call the mental health care, you can call the police and give them a uh, uh, mental health care code thing, and they'll come and they'll assist with her going. But yes, there are ways to do that. And what friend are you talking about? Still don't know, right? In her friend? Yeah. What friend she has that she takes that can take her there? She doesn't have any friends. Well, that's kind of what I thought. She didn't have any friends, but I'm not so sure. She doesn't have any friends. She doesn't want to drive. She's scared to drive. She doesn't have a credit card. Doesn't have a debit card. Doesn't have her phone. Isn't the. She isn't afraid to drive. Yeah, she is pretty afraid to drive. I never got the idea that she was afraid to drive. She was afraid to drive, and that's also part of the reason why she didn't want to go get her driver's license renewed. The only reason she drove was to and from school, and that was for me. So she got over her fear of driving. To do something for me. She never once got on the highway. Yes, yeah, she's did. terrified. On the highway before. She has been on the highway, but she wouldn't do it out of her own, out of her own self and want. See, there you go. You're saying one thing, and then you say another. Same thing you accused me of. I haven't accused you of anything or done anything. I'm just asking you to do some steps in the future. Why has this changed? Yeah. It's very, very difficult on my end to hear you do that. Well, it's more difficult on my end. I'm the kid and you're the parent. So step it up and stop being a coward and stop playing the victim. I'm not playing the victim, and I'm not playing the coward. Because I don't want to discuss it because of the way you take it off and what direction you take it to, doesn't mean I'm a coward. I just don't like getting into a conversation that keeps swirling around the same damn thing. I'm telling you that I need your help emotionally and also to find her and you're running in the opposite direction 
If you won't talk to me, then go and talk to the police or hire PI. Instead, you've hired a criminal defense lawyer to save your ass. She, she left. She left. So I don't feel that I need to go chase her. She wants to come back and talk about something. That's fine. I'm, I'm going to talk to her about it. But I'm not going to go out looking for somebody who left. You're trying to stick me into a story like Cinderella and the Prince, where I need to go out and find Cinderella. No, I'm sorry. She left. See ya. She made it very difficult, and she made it very clear that she did not want us around. And when I told her that she was going to go get checked out, I guess she decided that maybe it was better if she went instead of trying to get us to go. I don't know. Until we talk to her, I don't know. Just another thought about what may or may not have occurred. So if she's dead, we're never going to talk to her. What's that? If she's dead, we're never going to talk to her. We never talk to her any. If she's alive. At this point, they begin to argue about a lot of the same topics we've heard before. But for the first time in all of these calls, Ellie begins to get really emotional. And you can hear the toll her mother's disappearance is taking on her. I would give literally anything to have her for another, like, day or another hour, another minute. Because I love her. She loves me more than she loves herself. I've lost a lot of weight. I'm on anti-anxiety. I'm on an antidepressant. It's pretty serious. And you haven't really asked in the past eight months how I'm doing about her. I haven't done what? You haven't really asked, like, in that past eight months how I've been doing about her. You never asked. Not specifically about you how you've been doing with her feelings towards her. Yeah, like how I've been feeling knowing that she's been dead. Ellie goes on to tell her father that she's had enough, and he maintains that he isn't lying. At this point, Ellie asks directly if he will go to the police station with her. What's that? I've respected a liar. So hopefully it's time that you respect me, because I've had absolutely enough. told you before, and I'll tell you again, I'm not lying. You lied to me in the past. As soon as I, as soon as I find out 
any information, I will let you know about it. How are you going to find... Okay, we're not going in circles again. I, I, don't, I don't know how I'm going to find out. If I find something out, I will let you know. <sighs> will you go to the police station tomorrow with me? No. With your attorney? No. No, I'm not going to get into... You're not going to get into finding you, her. You're doing a cross-examination like you have been on just about every phone call. Taking things and turning them around and twisting them. I don't turn I anything don't around. Like I told you I don't like that and I don't appreciate it either. You know, the support and the, and the way that you treat another person goes both ways. Me to you and you to me. Well, I have not been supported very well. And I and just I want to analyze been. things. And maybe you're not used to me analyzing everything or getting upset with you. But this time, I have a lot of reasons to. And then you wonder why I don't want to call you and have long conversations. I don't mind calling you and finding out what's going on, discussing things, and, and yeah, talking. not not discuss the elephant in the room. If all you want to do every single time is just talk about mom and what I should or shouldn't be doing, I don't like doing that. I just want to know where she is because that's the biggest problem. I'm not going to pretend my my life an is perfect. I don't have an answer for that. I had an answer, I tell you, and as soon as I do have an answer, I'll let you know. All right, fine. Well, I'm pissed, I'm offended, and I am ashamed of you. So, have a good day, and bye. Ellie actually hangs up on her father a few minutes later and to my knowledge, has not recorded a conversation with him since. While Ellie was trying to get answers from Jeff about what happened to her mother, the Prairie Village police were still actively working on the case. And three days after this last call, they execute a search warrant on both Jeff's home and a storage property. And they bring a lot of different agencies with them, including the Johnson County Crime Lab, Johnson County Medical Examiner's Office, Olathe Police Department, Overland Park Police Department, Leewood Police Department, and the Johnson County District Attorney's Office. Captain Ivan Washington from the Prairie Village Police Department described it as a, quote, fact-finding mission, end quote and clarified that it was still a missing persons investigation and not a criminal investigation. He also stated, quote, Some questions are simple to answer, and when they start to get conflicting statements, it's concerning to us, end quote. Ellie told me that not much was found in the search, but the police were able to confirm that important items such as Angela's license and purse were left behind. By July of 2020, the Prairie Village Police tell Ellie that they have exhausted over 200 leads and that the case has effectively gone cold. 
However, I'm not sure that's entirely true. Because on December 23, 2020, the police serve a search warrant on the family's second home in Lawrence, Kansas. They search the home and backyard in hopes of finding something that would lead them to Angela. And it's kind of unclear if they found anything of interest here either. But Fox 4 Kansas City News spoke with the case detective, Sergeant Adam Taylor, who told them, quote, We are working with the FBI right now, the KBI and their crime lab, because we have evidence that is out there, and we are just waiting for results to come back. End quote. At this time, Jeff Green has not given an official statement about Angela. And according to his lawyer, he will not be giving a statement until he is charged with a crime. So, this leaves us with a lot of questions. What happened to Angela Green? Did she run away and get met with foul play along the way? Did she run away and is staying away? Or did something happen closer to home? I don't think any of us can say for sure. But as one of the closest people to this case, I asked Ellie what's going on now, her theory about what happened to her mom, and how people can help support her journey to get answers. Are you still continuing to call him and record it and ask him these questions, or has he just stopped? Well, he doesn't talk to me at all. Um, Every single time it was like I called him. Um, and I called him about a month and a half ago. That was the last time. And he just said, I actually asked him, like, why didn't he wish me a happy birthday? Um, and he said that I had been difficult and it's all been difficult. Um, but even even sending a happy birthday text, I don't think it's very difficult. So it just, it's not the relationship that it used to be. Um, if he doesn't tell me what happened, then it never will be. Um, it just, yeah, it's not gone down a very, a very good path. And he certainly isn't trying to fix that at all. Yeah, well, and I'm really sorry for that. I know that... Even though, you know, it, it's hard to look at your dad the same way. I know that not getting things like a birthday text or a Christmas card or whatever it might be still still hurts. So I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Of course. Um, I mean, you know, and you don't have to answer this, of course. Would you want that type of relationship with him again? You know, if you did find out that he did something horrible to your mom, is it something you think you could forgive and, and move on with? I don't even know. Like, it's so damaged at this point that I really don't know. Like, I'm a pretty forgiving person, but in this case, even that's that's really difficult. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Okay, I think that, you know, one of the last things I'd like to ask is, you know, has there been any recent developments you could share? Um, There are now private investigators who have looked into it, um, but I haven't received any further info from the police, so I do not know. Like, there, I know that there have been calls that have come in, but if there were a really strong lead, then I would be the first to know, and I haven't gotten that yet, so. 
So waiting and hoping. So, of course, I also have to ask, you know, there's a lot of stories that your father threw around about what happened to your mom, you know, that she was in this mental institution, that she died in the hospital, that she ran away. Do you have a theory as to what happened? Well, I know all of his theories are wrong. Um, I strongly believe that she's not alive anymore. And I don't know what happened in those moments after I left the house, but something pretty bad happened. That's my theory. I just don't know what exactly. And hopefully one day he can tell me, but I don't know. And I do want to ask how you're doing with all the media coverage and the interviews. I know like the first few years I interviewed for Alyssa, it would take me days to recover. So I just want to ask how you're doing. Um, well, that's the thing is like I, I basically took a year away from, from everything. Um, like the first six months after my mom's death, I was very reclusive and I just like I had a ton of anxiety um I was depressed at some points like I was going through the grieving process and it was horrible so um after that it started to get better um and then of course everything like was burned and crashed again when my dad started lying so much and they did the searches in February and March so then I recovered from that and after like a year I finally felt like I was put back together enough to be able to talk about it and when it first hit like local news that took me a few days to recover um and then nationally it also took me a few days to recover but otherwise I mean, it doesn't sound good, but I'm kind of numb to it. And, um, but at least like when I can talk about it without crying, then that's how I know I've healed. Like if this had been those first few days or weeks or whatever, right after, I know I would be a mess and I could not, I probably couldn't do it. Um, so Taking a lot of time to myself has helped so, so much. Well, good. I'm glad that you're doing that because I know that, you know, it's you can be numb to it. And it's like when you do these, at least for me, when I was doing these interviews, um, I wasn't crying and I wasn't emotional. But then it was like the aftermath. It's like you get off of yeah. these interviews and you're like, mm -hmm. what is my life? Yeah. I agree. It's like... Uh... Well, at least for me, it was a nightmare for a good year or so. Like, I I woke up those first few months every single day, and I'd be happy for, like, half a second, and then everything would just hit me, and it was just awful. Um, like, my my life was a, was a horror film, and it just, I was just reliving it every single day. Yeah. I mean, do you find comfort in working for her, though? Um, that, I mean, that's how I, I feel like I found so much comfort yes. in talking about Alyssa. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. doing something yeah. is like this 
I always call it like this active form of grieving where, you know, you have your time and you're sad about it, but then at a certain point, your mind just goes, okay, what am I going to do about it? And mm-hmm. it seems like, seems like you're kind of in the same. Yeah. Part. You go through a lot of like back and forth emotions for sure. Yeah. Well, that's totally how I, fair. How do I do things for her? But then also how do I do things for me too? Cause I know she'd want me to take care of myself. Yeah. I think that that I guess for lack of a better word, guilt is always kind of there of that person wouldn't want you to push yourself past, you know, your boundaries or to the point of exhaustion. Yeah. Yeah. I do want to ask, you know, how can the listeners support you personally? Not the case, which I'm going to get to that because there's always a call to action. But how can they support you personally? Um, Like, I know you're in college. Do you have an Amazon wish list? Like, do you want people to contact you? Do you want people to leave you alone? Um, how yeah. can we help you? You know, I actually, like, a lot of people follow me on, they'll reach out to me on social media. Um, the main thing being Instagram. So I get messages every day, which I think is really, really sweet. Um, I do, I'll do, I'll read, like, a bunch one day and then take a break for a few days. But, like, I do appreciate that. Um, I never thought about an Amazon wish list. That would actually be really sweet. Um, I know a lot of people want to start a GoFundMe for me. Um, like anyone else is welcome to do that. I just don't want to exploit my situation. So if somebody else started that for me, then totally fine. Please tell me before I have like before I have a bunch of strangers randomly sending me money and I don't know. But um <laughs> Yeah, so those are ways you can help. Honestly, just like I just appreciate the little messages and um, yeah, prayers and like a coffee or something. Like I don't ask for much. (laughs) I really don't. Okay, guys, you know I had to do it. I started a GoFundMe for Ellie to help with her expenses and told her to start an Amazon wish list. As a reminder, she is 20 years old. She also goes to school full-time and has multiple part-time jobs on top of fighting for her mom. I feel that struggle to my core. And I know that one of the most important things that she is trying to save for is to go visit her mother's family. So if you want to help Ellie, you can find links to her GoFundMe and Amazon wishlist in the show notes. But let's get to our overall call to action. The entire reason I'm telling you this story today is with the hope that you will help Ellie take action. Is there anything else about the case or about what's going on? Anything that you'd like people to know? I mean, it's still being worked on. I do want to say that. And it it is looked at as often as there are leads. So if anybody knows anything, that's how... That's how much they work on it is as the leads come in or as they get more information. Otherwise, it will just sit there as a cold case. So um, the more people talk about it and spread it and share, then that's how um, this can keep going. And maybe we can all find out answers one day. That, I mean, that leads me right into my last question. You know, Voices for Justice is all about getting people involved, you know, not just listening to these stories as entertainment, 
but helping them. So would that be your call to action for the listeners is to share the story? Yes, definitely. Um, and at least if, if not like sharing the story, I hope what people take away is if you've been through a really hard time, um, that like you will get, you'll get through it. Um, I advocate for mental health a lot. So I think that's, that's really important too. Um, that, cause I don't, I don't expect more answers out of this. Like I don't get my hopes up, um, because I've been hurt so much. So at least like, I want people to know that you can get through a really, really tough time and it's still, still worth it. I want to thank Ellie again for coming on to discuss her mother's case, as well as providing the phone calls between her and her father. I also want to thank Dr. Scott from the LA Not So Confidential podcast, Charlie from the Crime Lines podcast, and John Lorden for making this episode possible. Links to all of their work will be in the show notes. And of course, I want to thank all of you for listening. And again, ask that you please share this story for Angela and her family. Angela Green was 51 years old at the time of her disappearance. She is an Asian female that is 5 foot 9 inches tall. She weighs approximately 116 pounds and has brown hair and brown eyes. If you do have any information about Angela's case, please call the Prairie Village Police Department at 913-642-6868. But as always, thank you, I love you, and I'll talk to you next time. Voices for Justice is hosted, produced, and edited by me, Sarah Turney. For more information about the podcast or to submit a case you'd like me to cover, visit VoicesForJusticePodcast.com. And for even more content, you can join the Patreon family for just $5 a month at Patreon.com slash Voices for Justice.